Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Special shout out to everyone in the room. And if you're online, thanks for joining us, man. We are just so grateful to be here with you guys. Um, It's the week after Easter, man. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel so encouraged after Easter. Uh, It's just this reminder that we have really been saved from something, right? If you're a believer, you understand that. It's just this reminder of what he's done, but it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just end there. And so as I started thinking, like, what would we go through next? Like, we have an option. Easter's happened. What are we going to talk about? And so I began to realize that there's probably different people in the room, right? Some of us have been attending church for some time. Some of us have been uh, coming here for a while or been Christians for years. And so how can I make a message that applies to them? And maybe even the person who is just checking this out, is just trying to see uh, who is this Jesus? Who is this person they're talking about? Is this for me? And I started to think about my own life and my walk with Jesus. And as I came to the conclusion, I started to think about when I first found out who Jesus was to my life. I began exploring kind of like, how does Jesus think of me? Who does he think I am? What does he say about me? And in my exploring of doing so, I came across a verse found in John 15. It's John 15, 12 through 15. It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one other than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made note to you. He calls us friend. And I don't know about you guys, but there's this whole kind of mindset that I have when I go to friends. Um, Friendships in its own nature are kind of weird, right? You see someone, you say, oh, I'm going to talk to them. Uh, You find out a little about who they are and you go, yep, that's the one. And then you go hang out. You go bowling, you uh, go to your favorite sporting events, and then you kind of just do life together. Uh, But we all have different definitions of what friends are, right? Uh, I remember growing up, I had a few friends that my parents and my family had different kind of mindsets about than I did. Uh, We had friends who would come in and they would eat all of our food, and we'd be like, what are you doing? Like, you have to ask, right? They would go in and they'd just be like, hey. And I had one friend in particular that would come over and all of my family would go into the room and they would shut their doors. Uh, This person was very loud. That was the kind of friendship. But I also have friendships that when they come over, they feel like family. They're people that you would invest in, that you've had many moments with. Um, In our house, we have this kind of unspoken kind of competition. And so if you guys don't know, I have two nephews. One nephew, his name is Jesse, and he's he's about to be five. Uh, You might see him running around here and there at church. But Jesse is um, what we all want to be is his best friend. We try to find out ways to get closer to him. And one of the sure ways to be Jesse's best friend is to bring him some C-A-N-D-Y. And we got to spell it out because if he hears the word, um, he will be like, huh? You give some to me? Like it, like it. He starts like he gets really involved. And that's one sure way to be his best friend. Uh, But I always kind of lose this competition, and my dad, who is grandpa, always wins the competition of being his best friend. 
Uh, but what's true about friendship is that's not how you maintain it, right? It's not just gifts. It's not just giving someone candy over and over and saying, this is it. We've made it. We're friends. We finally did it. Uh, there takes some time, some work. And so as I talk about today, uh, my message is called Friend of God. And it's really simply just how we get closer, regardless if this is our first time checking him out, regardless if we've been in church forever, or if we're just like, hey, like I'm new to this faith, and how do I get closer to God? Regardless of what the outcome is, is if we become his best friend or not, you kind of got to explore some ways to get close to him. You don't just go and sit next to someone and that's it. You know, you know them. That's, that's your friend. You're doing life together. You kind of got to invest. I have a really good friend, and I say good friend because I consider her my best friend. Um, you guys may know her. Her name is Taylor. She helps out in our youth ministry. And Taylor and I, um, about a year and a half ago, decided that we wanted to do this thing that no one should ever do called long distance. Okay, long distance is the worst. You, it's probably not the thing that you think of when you go into a relationship. It's like, hey, you live in Denver. I'll live in California. We'll live two separate lives, and then we'll talk about it at night. That was the relationship. Um, and so at the very early phases of what that was, I began to ask God, like, is this something that I can do? Is this something that I myself could see myself in for the long haul, right? So I'm praying and I'm talking to God. And in that time, I kind of felt like God spoke something to me. I felt like God said, Michael, for the first time outside of me, you get to pursue love, uh, not close in proximity, not physically next to you, but simply by communicating, simply by investing in something that you've never seen. And so that reality of saying like, hey, like I can pursue someone with the intention of clear communication with the intention of just making sure that I hear from her and she hears from me and we talk back and forth. It's that same way that I've encountered God, the greatest love that I've ever known. Not close in proximity, not close in nature. I can't sit next to him physically right now, but I get to pursue him and get to know him and grow in my relationship with him. And so that reality kind of changed and shifted the way that I saw this relationship. And so in the same way that I would pursue Jesus, I can pursue friendship with people, right? We've all done that. Um, I want you guys to think about your best friend. Uh, think about that person that you would consider your best friend, whether that's your spouse or uh, the person that you grew up going to high school with or if someone that you've just met within the last few years. You've kind of had some good seasons with them, right? But you've probably had some tough ones as well, moments where you've had conversations and told them first before you told your family or whatever it is, went to them for advice or learned about them in those times. And so in the same way, um, we can do that with Jesus. We can do that with going after friendship with him. I don't know about you guys, but I've gotten advice from a lot of married couples and friends who've had relationships that have gone the distance, and they always say two things. Uh, the first thing is what? Communication, right? Don't ever stop communicating. This is so key. Communication is the key to good relationship. But the other one that I heard that I really loved is that you'll never outgrow your friendship. Always call them your best friend. Always invest in them in the same way that you would invest in a friend. Because at the end of the day, like that's who you're doing life with. Those are the people that you care about. And friendship in its own nature is awesome. And so today I hope to kind of give you what I feel are the simple keys of becoming a friend of God. Uh, so the first way that we cultivate friendship is through communion. And 
Our mind might go to the act of the breaking of the bread, right? We might think of that reality. Uh, But I want to go a little bit deeper on this word communion in its own nature. And communion in its own nature is the sharing of um, or holding something in common. It's participating. It's, it's this communication. It's this, this development, this contribution to doing the same thing unto communicating. And there's this word in Scripture that the word uses um, to, that we get our word for, and it's this Greek word that's koinonia, okay? Koinonia is just, the meaning is community. And community in its own nature does life together. It does things together. And so that reality holds true for our walk with God. And so in order to have that communication, that partnership with God, the first thing we got to do is pray. We have to pray to God. And so my, my ask of you is just to, to lean in, right? We know that this is true. We know that this is, cent- this is something that's centered around a walk with Jesus. But prayer is just a form of communication. It's the same way that I would have a conversation with my best friend at the table, saying, hey, man, I'm going through a hard time. I don't know what to do. I'm just spilling it out. It's the same way I would go to my friend and say, hey, man, I I just got into this school. Can we celebrate? Can we do things together? Hey, man, um, I need help making this decision. It's the same way that I would do that with the good friend that I would do that with God. And the the Bible talks about different ways to pray. Uh, My mindset goes to this is probably one of the most important things that we can do. Why? Just think about this reality. If you were stuck on an island, right, go, go to the island scenario. If you didn't have a physical Bible, if you didn't have Wi-Fi, if you didn't have your phone, if you didn't have your church community, if you didn't have anything else, what would you still be able to do? To pray, to talk to God. And in my mind, like, if that's, what I, if that's all I got at the end of the day, man, then that is enough. That's how I can get to know him. That's how I can cherish moments with him. And the Bible talks about prayer in so many different things. And it really tells us that we ought to make prayer a daily part of our life. Meaning if we're making a decision, like, hey, should I join this school? Or, or should I make this move to this place? Or what should I do? Should I get into this relationship? Or should I, should I take my son to this school or that school? Or whatever it might be that we are to pray in all circumstances. In First Thessalonians, it says this. Uh, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will for you in Christ Jesus. To pray continually is not just you're in a prayer closet all day, every day, that's all you do. It's really just saying in the morning, like, God, how do you want to use me? On your way to work, God, how do you want to speak to me? It's on, when you get to work, God, is there anything you want me to do to love somebody? It's saying, hey, if, if you are going to decide to join uh, a, a new group or whatever, God, am I supposed to do this? It's inviting him into your daily decision making. And it's not a weird thing to do. Uh, think about it. We've tried to do things on our own for a long time, right? And we get to a point where we can't do it on our own. And we realize that the decisions that we've made on our own weren't always the best ones for us. And prayer also gives us a peace of mind when we get into those decisions, When we start making those decisions, we come and we know it's from God because there's this peace that we do not understand. Philippians says it this way, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, regards your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And when we pray, that's when we receive peace. Because we know that we're not in the driver's seat, right? 
We're not the one making decisions. We trust that God is speaking to us, that God is giving us a blueprint. God is, is allowing us to partner in what he has for us. And prayer is where we humbly come and we make our requests to God. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, this is not kind of one of those moments where you get to be a kid and say, hey, let me have that, and then you get it. It's not that kind of thing. I think of my nephew, Jesse. It's like he asked for something, and we want to give it to him to bring him joy, right? But there's also things that he asked for that he doesn't necessarily need. He doesn't need 10 pieces of candy, ice cream, and then a cookie. Uh, That would not be good for him, right? There's things that maybe in our lives, if we're not seeing them right away, either God's waiting to give them to us later, or perhaps they're not things that will be most beneficial to us. And so in that time, you get to ask God, like, God, if this is not for me, would you give me peace? But this is the moment that prayer, we get to know him and grow in who he is and see what he has for us. And let me tell you, one thing that I've learned about prayer is that it is powerful. The Bible says in James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I've heard stories and stories of prayers where God has done things, where he's healed, where he's healed hearts, where he healed bodies, where, where families were restored, where lives were changed. But I've also heard stories of people who've prayed for years and have yet to see it. But I'm reminded of people who spoke to God, uh, people whose promises never, they never got to see in the Bible. Think about that. Like people who lived in obedience but still went and prayed and came and talked and still did. But they knew that God was good in the midst of that. I look at the stories across this room. I know a lot of you, and I've heard what God's done in some of your hearts. And I don't think it's random. I don't think this is just a a thing that has happened and we all decided, hey, like I need somewhere to be on a Sunday morning. right? We didn't just do that. Our lives have actually been changed by his grace. Our lives have actually been changed by his mercy. And it was the result often of prayer. People praying for you. People praying for your son. People praying for your family. It was prayer. And here's what's true. That even when it seems hard, right? When things aren't happening. When things aren't really uh, the way that we want it in those moments of prayer. Is that when we talk to him, he hears us. And that's one awesome truth about prayer. 1 John 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Man, to me that's crazy. The creator of the universe hears us. He wants to hear from us. He loves to hear from us. He enjoys it. And when we begin to pray, we get to know who God is. And what happens is we recognize that we're not God, that we can't do it alone that we need someone to intervene, that we need someone to come in and change our circumstances. And as we begin to pray more and more what happens, we gain strength. We then see that prayer is a way of inviting God into our struggles, into our joys, into our pains, into our hopes. And what happens is we start to trust him more and more throughout our entire life. I love the way John Piper uh, talks about prayer. He says, prayer is an open admission that without Christ we can do nothing. And prayer is the turning away from ourselves to God in the confidence that he will provide the help we need. Prayer humbles us as needy and exalts God as wealthy. And when you think of that reality, it's just saying, man, 
In my own nature, I couldn't heal someone. In my own nature, I couldn't do this. But with God, what do we say? We can do all things. If God is for us, who could be against us? That means any circumstances, as long as God's on our team, we are the majority. Everything else is the minority. God plus us, man, that's enough. God alone, that's enough. But we get to partner with him and share and talk to him. In this moments of prayer, we surrender control. It's a, it's a way of saying that, God, you got it. You're in the driver's seat. And when we start to communicate our real feelings, think about it. When you've had moments with your best friend, that friend that you thought of a, mo- uh, a little bit earlier, you've sat with them and you've shared pain. Man, this is happening in my life. I'm over it. I need you to help me. Now, your friend, what does he do? He listens or, or she listens to you and, and gives you a response But often what they're doing is just hearing what you're saying. They're hearing what you have, and and they want to be there for you because they love you. And what's true is that when we begin to pray, our faith grows in our hearts. God knows that what he wants to do, like it's not shocking to him, but he wants to partner with you in those moments. That's awesome. That's a reality that's like you don't go to work. Like many of us would say that we've worked a regular job, right? I worked at Starbucks for a while. Not the best season of my life, uh, but it, the tips were good. So thank you if you ever gave me a tip. Um, the worst thing about Starbucks is making frappuccinos. So if you ever go in there, just know that. It's not fun. Um, but I never went into work and went up to my boss and said, I don't feel like doing anything today. And so I'm just going to sit here and get paid, right? Uh, that's not how it works. Like, God wants us to partner with him, and he does the good things, and we get to see what he does and partner with him in that. And what happens is as we begin to hear from him more and more, more willing to do what he asks of us, more willing to partake in what he has, because it's the same act of a friendship that when your friend calls you, right, you might have done something stupid when you were a kid. They're like, hey, this is what we're going to do, okay? We're going to drive over to Derek's house. We're going to put, we're going to put a, a, a water hose at his door, and we're going to turn it on and see what happens. He's asleep right now. And the next morning he wakes up, and the whole house is flooded. Like, you're willing to do any stupid thing your friend says, right? But when God asks us to do something that benefits our life, we often say, I'll do it later. I'll, I'll, maybe, maybe that was for someone else. And most of the time, the things that he's asking us to do are things that we want. We want peace. Or he's asking you to pray to him. Prayer is one of those ways that we receive that. The Bible says in John 15, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And you might be saying like, man, I don't know what to pray for. I was always kind of like in that way, like when I was new in my walk, I would go to people and be like, okay, what am I supposed to pray for next? And I got to a place where I decided that, man, I can just do what the Bible tells me to pray for. One of my favorite moments here at church was when I first started, uh, there's a, a young man who was in our youth group by the name of Benjamin Joseph. And Benjamin Joseph said, hey, we pray every week, but the Bible says that we have to pray with thanksgiving. And so from that point on, Uh, We, as a youth group, every single week, right now, they're probably doing it, pray a prayer of thanks. And one of the things I tell our students that regardless of the season, 
regardless of where you're at, that you can give thanks. And so we practice a heart of gratitude. That's the lifestyle that we live. Saying like in the morning, God, thank you so much for letting me wake up and have another day. Thank you, God, that I have a roof over my head. God, thank you that I have a job. God, thank you that I have family. God, thank you that I have this. And I go down this list, and I'm pretty sure I've told you guys this before, is that this is my starting point. It's because when I start to thank God, I recognize how much he's actually done for me. I begin to realize how much he's actually saved me from. And I begin to realize how much he actually loves me. 1 Thessalonians, we've read it earlier, but it says it again. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. So what I mean by even when it's tough, you can thank God. And thank you, Jesus, for all the things that you have done, for all the things that you're going to do. God, thank you for providing solutions. God, thank you for providing community. Thank you. There's so many things that you can be thankful for. And it can be extremely hard in the midst of difficult situations. I get that. But what's true is that we can give thanks in the midst because it's meant to change and challenge our faith. It's not a punishment. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Meaning the things that are happening right now, man, they'll be gone. The day will come when you're face to face with Jesus and your only inheritance is peace. Your only inheritance is understanding of love. No more pain, no more questioning, no more worry. And that reality we can be reminded of as we come to God and we speak to him. Our suffering is not a punishment for our sin because Jesus already bore that, right? So in those moments, be reminded of that, that you can come and give thanks under all circumstances. You see, prayer is not just about getting our own words out, right? Uh, it's not just us talking a ton and coming to God and just saying, hey, like, this is what I need. This is what I want. Thank you for doing that. Oh, okay, peace out, Cub Scout. Um, we got to hear from God, right? You got to hear from him. No one wants to have that friendship that's uh, one way. Um, you could possibly think of friendships that weren't quite what you thought they would be. Uh, friendships that they just wanted something from you. And this is not bashing on anyone. It's that we're imperfect people in progress, right? But that reality of that friendship is that they always took, they always took, they always took. But they never sat and listened to you. They never sat and heard from you. And so we don't want to be those friends, okay? We don't want to be that friend, especially to God. And so as we pursue this friendship, we have to hear from him. When we hear God, it's the best way to get to know him. Um, it's the best way that we get to invest in a relationship with him. And the reality of that is that that could be his words through the scriptures. Uh, that could be his words through speaking to you here today at church or through worship. Uh, that could be through friends, through your community, by joining a small group, whatever it might be. But we got to give him a chance to speak to us. The Bible says in John 10, 27 to 28, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will not perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hear my voice. Think about it. If someone yelled your name in the middle of an airport, you would look everywhere, but you wouldn't know who it really was. 
unless you were with a family member or a friend and they said your name, you would recognize that voice and know, oh, blah, 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 is calling me. And so in the same way, as you grow in prayer, as you invest more in prayer, you begin to understand what God is calling you to. You begin to say, oh, this is God. This is not my flesh. This is what God has for me. This is not something that I decided. And so our, the sheep know his voice, and God knows them because you're giving time to know. But you would never know someone if you never talked to them. You would never know someone if you just walked by them and just said, oh, that person exists. That's not the reality of what this is. And when we listen to God, it begins to stir faith in our hearts. The Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And what's true is that in moments uh, that God has spoken to me, he's given me um, direction, he's given a chance. But every single time that I hear from God is that I've never left those moments saying, well, this is not going to work out. This is not going to happen. I've only left with more peace. I've only left with more joy. I've only left with more assurance of what he has. Because often he'll speak into those situations in ways that I never thought. And so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. It's in those moments that God speaks into our circumstances that he gives us direction. That he reveals our lives to us. He reveals promises to us. In Psalms 119.105 it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's in his word where we hear him and he gives us direction. Just think about it. You probably have questions about Jesus. What does God have to say about marriage? What does God have to say about obedience? What does God have to say about this? When we speak to him or we give a chance to hear from him through his word, guess what? He gives us the direction that we need. And as you grow in your friendship, you become best friends with people, right? As you begin to talk to them and hear from them. Um, as you do that, you get to a point in your life where you want to give back to that friendship. It could be in birthdays where you give them a gift and you're like, man, this would really bless them. This would really honor them. This would really bring out something in them. This would make them smile. And so you get to that same point in your relationship with Jesus where you say, how can I love him? He's done so much for me. Well, the Bible describes it this way. John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this is true, that friendship practices obedience. As one can be a friend to another, so can one be a friend to God. And God, his son, we can be friends with the whole trinity, right? That's an amazing thing. Uh, the Bible describes Abraham as a man who was a friend of God. Think about it. If you know the book, um, just his life and his journey, uh, what happens is God speaks, Abraham does. God speaks, Abraham does. God speaks, Abraham does. And the whole reality of that, the Bible describes it this way, that the scripture was fulfilled and says that Adam believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And so that whole life of him just obeying God's commands gave him the title of friend of God. And so those who keep God's covenant are called his friends. But the opposite is also there, is that the Bible tells us that, um, it says it this way, it's a crazy way to say it in James 4, it says, You're, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So meaning if you choose every other way, if you don't come to God, 
then you are seen as his enemy, someone who doesn't want to do life with him. But what's true about Jesus is that he wants to call us his friend. And friendship practices obedience. The Bible gives us a bunch of clear pictures on what we need to be obedient about. Uh, I'm not here to list those off. I'm not here to tell you the, everything you ought to do. But to share kind of just this heart posture of the why we obey. The why we come in and we say, God, if you spoke it, I want to do it. And so why obey? If we're being honest, none of us want to be told what to do, right? How many of you guys love being told what to do? Um, I kind of still do this. It's probably one of my not finer traits. Uh, And I often do it to my dad more so because we like to bicker at each other uh, just for fun. And he'll be like, take out the trash. And I'll be like, you take out the trash. And that's not really how you give into authority, right? That's not a generous or or a really kind way to do things. Um, And so the reality is, is that we don't want to be told what to do, no matter what it is. Like, go clean up your room. No. I'm going to leave my room and let it be dirty because you told me to. You know, that's just the way that we go. Like, go do this. No. But deep down inside, you're like, man, this is really bothering me. I need to clean my room. I can't walk anywhere. But I'm not going to do it because they told me to do it. Um, That's just how we are. And that's the way, like, students are. I learned this the most in student ministry. Um, Just right before here, I'm setting up the youth room, and I asked one of the students, hey, can you get out of the room? We're going to close it. Why? I was like, because I said. Why? Because I'm closing it. Why? And they really win in that moment because they know they're just trying to irritate me. But we don't like to be told what to do in any way, shape, or form. But the Bible tells us that God receives love from us when we keep his commands. Because the truth is, his commands are to help us and not harm us. Um, And one of the ways that we can obey God is by honoring him and showing obedience. And obedience is an act of worship. When the Bible uh, places a strong emphasis on obedience, it's critical for us to also remember that this is not how we're justified. This is not how salvation uh, takes place in your life. It's that the reality is that uh, salvation is a free gift to you, right? But obedience is this posture of saying, man, I love, so I will do. Just think about your own relationships, your own friendships, is that when someone that you truly love asks you to do something, you listen. And you say, oh, they want this. I want to give that to them. Oh, they cherish this. I want to cherish this with them. Oh, this is something that's really speaking to them, so I want to do it. This is a way that will serve them, so I'm going to do it. And so that same mindset is true when we think of obedience. That obedience is an act of worship. The Bible says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Romans 12, 1. See, obedience is an act of worship. When we come before him and we say yes to what he's asked us. When we come before him and we desire to serve him. When we come before him and we fall more in love with him. You see, obedience also proves to God our love. The book of um, 1 John and 2 John explains it like this. Uh, 1 John 5, 2 through 3, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commands. 2 John 1, 6, it says, Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another just as you have heard from the beginning. See, it's less about this 
word obey, which we often think of as a bad thing, right? When I think of obedience, I think of a dog and its owner. Like obey, like that's not a fun way to think about it. But when I think about obedience to God, I think of, oh, the joy of serving him, the joy of loving him, the joy of bringing a smile to his face. What could this do in this moment? And so as we lean into that, we understand that good friendships are an investment. They require time. They require patience. But they can start with some of the most unlikely people. I want to share a little bit of a story um, of a friendship that I have. I have a friend named David who uh, we've been friends for about 12 years now. Uh, David was uh, up here on stage playing last week for Easter, and he was also in the video. Uh, David is a worship uh, leader in the Bay Area, helps out different churches. Uh, but what's funny about mine and David's friendship is that we both went to the same church in high school, uh, but we didn't like each other. Um, it was kind of this unspoken dislike towards one another uh, for the reason that we dated the same girl, not at the same time. Um, <laughs> But it's high school, right? It's weird in its own nature. And so David dated this girl, and we weren't friends at the time. We didn't even know each other. And then they broke up, and then I dated her. Um, so it's kind of a funny story. So David didn't really like me because he thought that I was Mr. Steal Your Girl, and I was not. Uh, I didn't know him. Uh, we became friends, and we started hanging out, and we started dating. And so David and I went to the same church, and we never talked uh, David and I would go to the same camps and always be in the same room. Uh, it just happened that way, and we always kind of just were like, I knew he didn't like me, and he made it clear. Uh, but at the same time, I was like, I don't have anything against this guy. If he doesn't like me because I'm dating this girl, then oh well, let it be, right? Um, and so high school happens, and we break up. That's just the reality. Um, and I had this friend named Brandon, who I've talked about before, and Brandon is headed off to YWAM. He's headed to go do this uh, training school to be an evangelist and, and um, go tell people about Jesus all across the world. And so we're hanging out, we're broke, and we all go to Taco Bell, which is super expensive now. Um, took a couple, I took a couple high schoolers a couple weeks ago, just two high schoolers, $41 at Taco Bell. Um, no, thank you. And I told them only the value menu. <laughs> and they were like... Okay, six things each per hand. Um, and so we are broke kids out of high school. Our friend's about to take off to Hawaii to go through this training to be sent to South Africa and share the gospel. And of course, David's there because David's friends with Brandon. And so we're all hanging out that night and it's a great time. And something came over me. I went up to David at the end of the night and I said, hey, David, um, you know, this has been fun. We don't have to just hang out because Brandon's leaving. Like, we can, still be, we can still get to know each other. Like, do you want to hang out sometime? And he was like, sure. And so one day we head over to David's house. And uh, at the time, they lived kind of like right by a park. And it's 11 o'clock at night. And David and I decided to go for a walk. Uh, we call them night walks. Everyone does. Um, and so David and I don't know each other at all, outside of the fact that we know that we dated the same girl at some point. Uh, and so we're walking. And it's in this moment that David and I begin to start sharing about the circumstance. It's like, bro, I never had anything against you. Like, this is actually what happened. I don't know what you believed. 
And then we get to a point where we're three hours into the conversation, okay? It's late at night, and we're sharing about what God is doing in our lives. And it, was, it took the listening of what David had to say, and it took him hearing what I had to say for a friendship to start. And now David comes over to our house often. David comes to our house, and he comes just to see my mom. He comes to just hang out with my brother. He comes to just be around the family. And it all started with an unlikely scenario, an unlikely person, someone who I never would have guessed would have been my best friend today. And today I get to stand here and in a few months be his best man at his wedding. And I say that to say that friendships are formed when we give it a chance. That friendships are formed when we talk, when we listen, when we hear what the others have to say. See, I never would have got to that place with David if I didn't just have this unction and say, hey, man, would you like to hang out? Let's talk and walk. And so my encouragement to you guys is if you're just checking God out, if you've been following Jesus for a few months now, if you've been checking him out for years, my challenge to you this week, if you were to do it one time, is to go for a walk with Jesus, to hear from him, to let him speak to you with no distractions, just you and God. And I promise you, I feel like he's going to do something. I feel like he's going to speak to you. And what's true is like, if you're like, hey, if you were one of the people last week, we were given a, a survey, right? And one of the options was, I'm never going to choose this lifestyle. My challenge to you would be like to go for a walk. What if he did talk? You know, then the same way that I would have never experienced friendship with David may be the same is true for you. And if you leave that place and go like, this is not a friend that I want, then good for you. Like, then there's nothing wrong with that. But why wouldn't we just give it a try? Why wouldn't we just go out of our way to go for a walk? And at the end of the day, if that's all you got was a couple um, calories taken off of your body, good for you. Like, it doesn't matter. Just take a chance to become a friend of God. See, our final point is kind of a message within the message. Our final thing is to share and go public. And when I talk about this, this is for a group of people who believe in this, who are wanting this. The reality is it's true that, yes, we become best friends with God. We begin to know him and invest in him. But Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, asked something of us. And this is a thing that you guys have heard before. If you've been in church, it's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always with you to the end of the age. So the reality of finding and following Jesus is that we have to take a step. We have to begin to share about him. And what I know to be true that early on in my walk with Jesus is that I never felt prepared. I never had the right answers. What if someone asked me about this? I won't know it. What if someone says this? I won't know how to respond. What if someone does this? What do I do? How do I go and make disciples of all nations? I'll leave that to Pastor Tim. I'll leave that to the volunteer team. I'll come and join on a Sunday. Now, that's awesome. Being here is part of that. But the real truth is that we are called to go and share. 
And if you've encountered Jesus in even the slightest way, he can use you. And sometimes sharing is just sharing your story. Because what's true in any given situation is that no one can deny that your story happened. No one can sit here and look you in the eyes and say, that never happened. No one can look you in the eyes and say, that's not true. No one could ever say you weren't, um, you weren't saved from your addiction. No one could say that you uh, didn't experience healing. No one could say those things to you, but you can come and say, hey, this is what's changed my life. And sometimes, sometimes sharing is just doing that. And what happens is when we share, we experience an authentic joy because we're so reminded of the goodness that he's done, the goodness of how he's changed us, the goodness of how he's spoken to us, this relationship. It's the same way. Like when you get in a, a new relationship or a new friendship, your mindset comes, oh, David said this. Oh, David and I went here. David and I did this. David and I, and, and your parents start to go, let me guess, you and David did that, right? And so what happens is when you start to share about what Jesus has done, people start to hear about what he's done more and more. And you start to get to know that like, man, it was Jesus that set me free. It was Jesus that prepared this for me. It was Jesus that changed my life. And we experience that joy. And, and, and what happens is our friendship with him deepens. It deepens our friendship with Jesus. Because when we come to know him so much more, we understand the reality. Here's Paul's prayer to, to us. He's doing life with a group of people. And he says in Philemon 1.6, he says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of of Christ and every good thing is from God so as you begin to share about him what happens is the good things come and you start to see man God's got plans for my life God's got something for my family God's got a plan to to help me in this season and you start to understand more about how he's speaking and as we pray and we listen we know more of who he is and this helps us take a step to fulfill our purpose Ephesians 2, 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not results of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk with him. And one of the things God asks us to do is go and make disciples. He asks us to share our story. And that's how simple it is. It's as easy as me saying, look, God changed my life and I've never been the same. And if someone wants to know more, they'll say, why? What happened? And then you can share more. It's simple steps of sharing the goodness of God. My encouragement to you this week, as you go for a walk, if you leave that walk encouraged, I dare you to go up to someone, someone that you've never shared the story of the gospel with. And I'm not asking you to share the full picture. I'm asking you, would you say to them, man, God's changed my life. And today I'm thankful for that. And if it so happens that something comes from it, then better be ready. Just kidding. Just thank God in that moment. Be like, man, this is what happened. Like I was struggling with this and, and God brought me freedom. Or, 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 or this is what my marriage looked like and God restored it. Or I was praying for, for salvation for my son and, and my son came to church for the first time. And whatever it might be, God has done something if you're in this room or is starting to do something. And so my encouragement to you this week is to go for a walk and take a step to fulfill your purpose. 
You were created to change the world. You were created for friendship with God. And I dare you this week to do just that and say, God, how can I be a good friend? How can I love you? And for some of you guys, you're like, man, that's a lot for me. That's a whole lot for me to, 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 to be ready for. I'm just checking this out. or I just started my walk with God. And one of the ways that we share our faith is by going public. And going public is just a simple way of saying, man, getting baptized is your next step. And baptism is just an, a sign of an inward reality that we've been united with Christ. As Jesus had death and resurrection, you uh, getting baptized, it's from death to life. And it's a simple thing. You just get dunked. You don't have to do anything crazy. A pastor or someone who you see as a spiritual influence could baptize you. And then they'll ask you two questions. Have you chose to make Jesus the leader of your life? And you say yes. And so they say, based on that confession, we baptize you and you get dunked. And that's one of the first ways that we as people who have said yes to Jesus can go public. And so my encouragement to you guys is in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some more baptisms. And so maybe if you're like, hey, this is something that I want to do. I'm just not sure. Maybe on your walk, ask God a question and give him a chance to talk. And as we recap, some of the surest ways to be a friend of God is to cultivate friendship through communion. And the way we experience communion is we pray, we talk to God, but what we also hear from God. It's a, it's a two-way friendship where we get to partake in hearing him and, and hearing all he has to say and talking to him and, and going back and forth. It's the greatest friendship that I've ever known. Man, you might think of um, your great moments with your friends, but here's what's true. Uh, most of my moments with my friends, yes, we went to amusement parks, we went to sports games, and, but all of my greatest moments have been sitting down, just having a conversation. And so my encouragement to you, man, is to do that, to cultivate a friendship through communion. And when that happens, you'll hear God speak to you about things you ought to do. And so friendship practices obedience which is an act of worship and one of the ways that we can prove our love. My encouragement, again, is to go for a walk with God. Uh, let's pray today that we would leave desiring greater friendship, desiring to know him more, desiring to be better friends to him. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you so much.